Hey, hello. I am with my guest, Jacqueline Gallo, who's a life coach, speaker, and author. I'm excited to have you on today. So I'm just going to go ahead and turn the mic over to you and let you first tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me, Chrissy. I'm excited to be here. So I am 26 years old. I started my company, Clarity and Action Consulting, when I was 21, actually in my um, junior year of college, right before my senior year that summer. And it was not what it is today at all. I failed <laughs> a lot and really failed my way forward, trying different things and discovering my passion for personal development, for women's empowerment. And my mission is to help women create lives they love. And I'm super passionate about all things personal development and goal setting and just living your best life. So that's a little bit about me. Yeah, that's awesome. What led you? I mean, 21's young and you're still in your 20s, but what led, what sparked you to start this business? Yeah, I love telling this story because I think a lot of people have probably felt something similar in their life. So I had this vision of what I thought was my dream career, which was a corporate internship at the time in marketing. And I thought, okay, I'll get this internship and then I'll get the job. And I want to work for this big corporation. And I was a marketing major. It kind of just checked all the boxes that I was supposed to check. So I actually really enjoyed the internship, contrary to how most people probably thought this story would go. I found myself having fun every day. I found myself enjoying the work, enjoying the culture, but it was like an 80 out of a hundred. And there was this part of me that started really small and got bigger and bigger as that summer went on that wondered, is this it? Am I supposed to feel any better? Or am I just going to feel 80 for the rest of my life? And as the summer went on, the voice got louder and louder. And I particularly remember it on the car rides because I had about a 30 minute commute and with traffic, sometimes I would take 45 minutes and I'd be sitting there thinking to myself, there's gotta be something more out there for me. And it wasn't about anything other than this internal feeling I was seeking. It was this feeling of fulfillment, this feeling of accomplishment. Really, I wanted to feel lit up inside about mm -hmm. something. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't quite feel that way at the internship. And at the time I thought that the reason I didn't feel that way was because I wasn't working towards my own goals. Now I think it's funny because I've done so much personal development. I think I could actually be happy in almost like any career because I know that thoughts create feelings and there's so much more to this. But at the time I was like, okay, I just need a business. that's going to solve everything. So I decided that I was going to start a business, but I didn't have any ideas. Unlike a lot of people who have this problem, they solve it in their life and they want to share it with others. I was the opposite. I was just like, I want to have a business. I want to work for myself. <laughs> so I'd write down business ideas in a notebook every day for the month of August. And then I decided that uh, right before my senior year, when I went back, I was going to just pick an idea and go with it. So I picked this idea for this product I was going to make, which totally ended up failing, but I started and starting led me to failing, which led me to starting something else and trying different things and eventually got me to where I am today. That's awesome. I think I don't work with business majors. Um, even though I work at a university, I work more with like social sciences students, but see how I think there's kind of like this, um, 
mindset, I think with business students, you know, you want to get that impressive internship because that's ultimately what will lead you to the job that you want or you think that you want after you graduate. I think it's interesting that you said you actually did enjoy your internship with the exception of having that 80% feeling. So I, I feel like I don't know, maybe I might be putting words in your mouth. Did you um, struggle with that? Like that feeling of why am I not happy in this? This is what I should quote unquote want. But um, can you talk us through like what led you to ultimately like shift your mindset from 80% is not okay. um, If that makes sense. Um, What kind of, can you talk us through like what that mind shift for you was like? That's such a good question. I absolutely felt like I should be happy because I was painted this picture of what is supposed to be the life you're living and what it's supposed to look like and how you're supposed to feel. And when I didn't feel that way, I wondered, is it me? Will I ever be happy? Am I just chasing the next thing? Which at the time I definitely was. I didn't even know that I was on the hedonic treadmill, as they call it in psychology, that next goal, happiness, chasing thing. And I also felt confused because for so long, I wanted this thing for years and years and years. I painted it on a pedestal. I looked at it. I dreamed about it. I took all the action steps, put myself in the position to get this thing. And then I got it and I didn't actually like it Mm -hmm. or I didn't love it. So I wondered, well, what about this other thing, right? Like if I go for the business, how do I know I'm going to like that? Right. We, we never really know. And I think that's part of life. We get to taste different flavors of ice cream and see which one we actually love. And that's the one that you want to get the big size in. And I think that's the point of internships or even Mm -hmm. taking jobs. Like I think the world has evolved so much you can have a job for a few months and you don't like it and you transition and your reason can be because I didn't love it and I wasn't fulfilled and I didn't like the culture. I didn't like the role and it's more socially acceptable than it was 20 years ago where you were supposed to stay at a job for X number of years. And it definitely felt like I had an identity crisis almost. Who am I? And will I ever be happy? Will it ever feel hundred percent? Cause if I'm not, then I'll just stay here. Cause this is pretty good. Yeah. Right. And I, I think that's a really dangerous place to be. It would have been easier, better if I was at 10%. And I was like, this is awful because I would have been more likely to move more likely to make the decision. And I'm really grateful I made it, but I think there's a lot of people who don't. There's probably Mm -hmm. people listening who are living at 80% right now. Probably most Americans, I would argue, live at 80%. And there's nothing inherently wrong with that. Some people, that's what they want. They want to make a good living, have someone else worry about their paycheck, have a job that they generally like, and spend tons of time with their family and have work-life balance. I don't want to paint a picture that 80% is bad or wrong, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't right for me. I knew deep down that there was more. And I was not willing to go my life wondering what that more was. And the more I thought about that, the more I reflected on wondering what if, and I even thought about 
if I went for it and it wasn't any better, I could always come back. I think that there's this thing in society where we feel like our choices are so permanent. I think it's because other people are watching. So we would feel embarrassed that we decided to start a business and we didn't really like being an entrepreneur. And then we went back to a job. To me, that would be great because my 80% would probably become 99% because I would know that I've actually went over there. It turns out the grass is not greener. It turns out it's slightly more brown. And then I went back. (laughs) And even though the grass is the same grass, it looks greener now from the angle I'm looking at it in or the new sunglasses I'm wearing. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think that that helped me make the decision as well, because I I told myself, if you don't like it, if you're, if you don't get to that hundred percent, it's okay. You can always come back. So I was really gentle and kind with myself. And I think that's a big part of it, but I think it's a really good conversation to have around that 80%. Cause again, it's not bad or wrong, but I knew it wasn't right for me. Yeah. I like that you bring that up, honoring that, you know, not everyone obviously is not going to view that the same as you. Um, I think it just all comes back to your values and what do you value out of your career? Some people, if they want to stay in like a nine to five because of the stability and if stability is what they value, then that's very valid. Um, so I like that you brought that up that while that was kind of your value, your core value, it's not going to be the same for everyone. So that's just something I wish we talked about more as we, um, Uh, as young adults thinking about careers or what they want to do longer term. I like that you brought that up and just respecting that everyone's values are not the same. We're all unique individuals and also values change, not change, change, but your life situation will change. And so what you value now might not necessarily be what you value five, 10 years from now. So I think just again, bringing to the forefront that aligning your career with your values. I'm completely in agreement with you. And I love that you brought up how your values can change. And I think it's not just with career. I want to like expand on this bit. It's such a good conversation to be having. I believe that it applies to every decision we make in our life, how we manage our money, how we take time off, what we do when we take time off, what we do after work on the weekends. If everyone really tapped into what are my core values? And then whenever you had a decision to make in your life, you asked yourself, does this bring me closer to one of these values? Mm-hmm. You would really never act out of alignment. And I was reading a book actually earlier today. It's called, uh, now I'm blanking on the name. So <laughs> funny. It's Kate Northrup. It's called Money, a Love Story. And it's about your relationship with money. And she talks about this concept of core values in the book to help you decide how to spend your money and what financial freedom means to you, which I thought was really wonderful. And she gave a really easy way to discover what your values are that I'd love to share, which is essentially think about these moments in your life. She had a fancy name for it. I don't remember what the fancy name was, (laughs) but these moments in your life where you feel like you were experiencing really positive emotions where you would look back on and say, these are some of the best moments of my life. And especially the small moments especially the things that weren't the day I graduated college and got my diploma, but the moments of 
living where you felt like you were truly living? Mm -hmm. What are they? Think about them. And then what are the values that stand out? And it was, it was really easy for me. I thought about a few moments where I was with my husband and we were in normal places. We were in beautiful places. It ranged, but every time we were talking about goals we had and what was possible and what we wanted to create and the feeling that I got was being lit up. That's how I describe it. Like the excitement level was 110 if we're going on that scale. And for me, that's a value being lit up by whatever I'm pursuing. So it could be in my career. It could be through charitable work I'm doing. It could be something that I'm so excited to do with my family, like take them on an awesome trip, but I want to feel lit up by the decisions I make. And it makes complete sense that I was not willing to live at an 80 if this is a core value of mine. Right. And then the other core value that I really found from those experiences reflecting was I like feeling valued. That is something that's really important to me. So whether this is in friendships, relationships, I can feel valued by a friend or my partner giving me undivided attention. I can feel valued by a client paying me for my services. I can feel valued uh, by a speaking opportunity where I get to travel across the country and share my knowledge. And that's another one that was important to me. So it makes sense that I have a career where I'm essentially like giving advice all the time because I feel valued a lot because Mm -hmm. people take my advice and really relate to it and it helps them. And that makes me feel valued. So it's really interesting to think about this for yourself. And I don't know if you want to think about it on the spot or just think about (laughs) it later, share with everyone, but I found it to be a really life-changing activity. And I think it applies to everything career and all the decisions we make in our life. And I would encourage everyone listening to sit down for 10 minutes and journal about this, or even just think about it in your head. I thought about it when I was in the shower, you know, anytime you have that downtime to yourself, we all have it. We all shower every day, right? Just think Mm -hmm. about what are some of those memories for you and what values would you extract from the emotions that you felt that you found in multiple experiences? That's really a great way to put it. And (laughs) you kind of read my mind. I usually ask my list, my guests, what they're currently reading or watching on Netflix, but you've already got that one covered. What's the name of the book again? It's called money, a love story by Kate Northrup. And I'm listening to the audiobook, and I really like it. Okay. Awesome. I know you're still in your twenties, but I always like to ask my guests, what has life either been like in their twenties or what is life currently like in your twenties? So can you tell us a little bit of like some of the, um, big lessons you've gained so far in your twenties? Yeah. My twenties have been a beautiful time for creating, for building the life I want. The first part of the journey was finding clarity on what that was. And the way Mm. that I found that clarity was trying every flavor of ice cream and not liking a lot of them. It was what I believe is God redirecting me through these failures. So I launched a product that failed. I launched an app that failed three times. And when I was two and a half years into my entrepreneurship journey, I still had not turned to profit. I was living home with my parents post-graduation, just trying to get by doing odd and side jobs to be able to pay for gas and basic necessities. And I felt like I was never going to be successful. I wanted to give up. And while I was living it, I couldn't see that these failures were really just redirections towards where I was meant to be. 
I was never meant to be the CEO of this product company that made a plate that encouraged healthy eating. Even though I'm passionate about healthy eating and I had my own personal experiences that led me to that passion, it's not lighting me up for the rest of my life. It was one Mm -hmm. idea I had. I was also not meant to be the CEO of a tech company. I don't really like tech that much. I have my team do my website. And I just got an email from someone saying the link you sent out in your email earlier doesn't work. I'm like, tech, (laughs) that's not my path. But Mm -hmm. you can probably hear just from listening to this podcast that I am lit up by this work I do sharing personal development, empowering women to create lives they love. And I'm good at it. I believe that we're all born with gifts and talents. And I didn't even know that one of my gifts was speaking. I never thought about it. I never thought I was any different than anyone else until I was at my rock bottom moment, which was the end of 2018, when I had had these two and a half years of failures, thought about giving up. And I started reading a lot of books about personal development. And in one of the books, I don't remember which book I wish I did because I tell this story all the time and I always get asked, but in one of the books, I came across a question that was very simple and changed my life. It was what is working. And when I read it, I thought nothing. That's why I'm reading this book. (laughs) And then it said something like, if you feel like nothing is working, this is your work to be done. Mm -hmm. Really look at and find what is working. So I took some time to think about it, to journal on it and ask myself, okay, even though I wasn't making money, even though my product and my app had failed, did I do anything that went well? And when I asked myself that question, it was like a light switch went off in my brain. And all of a sudden I was looking at every speaking engagement I had done that I didn't call a speaking engagement, I called marketing. Mm -hmm. And I realized that I was really good at it. And while I didn't get paid for it, I had given 66 speeches or free workshops at colleges, at sororities. I started with my friends' sororities because we were still in college Mm -hmm. and I expanded to just sending cold emails to people. Hey, I have this free workshop. At the time it was about like body image and wellness can I come give it to your sorority? And they would always say yes. (laughs) And I would get these messages afterwards from women who were in the audience. Oh my gosh. After listening to your talk, I realized that I have an eating disorder and I'm going to go get professional help. Or after listening to your talk, I realized that I hate my major. And the only reason that I'm still majoring in it is because I wanted my parents' approval, but I'm going to call them tomorrow. And I'm going to tell them that I'm changing my major. These powerful, profound breakthroughs from me just sharing my story of having an eating disorder in college, starting this business and pursuing my passions. And I hadn't even created success. I was only losing money, but I had something to say and I Mm -hmm. had a passion and it resonated. And so what I realized is that we all have our own unique gifts and talents. And sometimes when we're failing, it's really just God's way or the universe or whatever you believe in of redirecting you to where you're meant to be, to discovering your own gifts and talents, to discovering the work that is really going to give you that 100 feeling if that's what you're seeking. And that's what the beginning of my twenties was for me. It was really uncovering what that was. And I discovered that just before I turned 24. 
So the past two years have been a bit different. So they've been phase two of my journey, which has been, I'm now living in what I feel is my purpose. And we could talk a lot about purpose because I don't feel that purpose is just in career. I think career is just one small part of purpose, but it's one way I live my purpose. And this phase of my twenties has been more about allowing myself to want what I want and going for it and really learning about my identity my thoughts and how they create so much of the results I've created in great ways, in wonderful ways to be 26 and run a successful company. And also in challenging ways to ask myself, well, why aren't where I want to be yet? Right. Why aren't I here? If that's where I want to be, what's holding me back? Why aren't I already there? And of course, some things are just time and creation and patience. And right. Commitment, and I have all those things, but it's really been a process of uncovering and almost like weeding through the garden of my mind and pulling out all <laughs> the weeds so that I can step into the woman I know I'm meant to be, which is who I am now, but on an even greater scale. So that's been phase two and phase three, I think is to come. I'm hoping that phase three will be living out some of these bigger dreams that I have. But what I can say about phase two is I'm already living out a lot of the dreams I had in phase one. So mm-hmm. I think it's really beautiful to always look back and know what you're living today is probably somewhere that an old version of you would have dreamed of. And that's really beautiful. And it's also okay to desire more and go for bigger dreams while appreciating and loving where you're at now. So that's what it's been like for me. Yeah, that's awesome. I do want to touch on, you've mentioned failure a couple times earlier, and I think I've noticed that you've realized that failure is not necessarily a negative thing. It's just tried it, didn't work, lesson learned. Um, But I feel like, I don't know if it's the social media generation that we're in now or what, but I do think from just my work, I think students are almost afraid of failure. Um, They'd rather like stick with a major instead of saying, oh, I had to switch majors and got it wrong, quote unquote, but it's really not wrong. It was just, again, you tried it, didn't work. Now we're going to try to find what actually does work. So do you have like maybe any thoughts on why um, we kind of live in this perfectionistic world now where it's almost like um, bad to fail? Yeah, we do. I think that first, just give yourself grace. It's not your fault if you feel that way. And it's no one's fault, really. It's everyone probably in your life was well-intending. The issue is that the society that we live in does not encourage failure. So if you think about being a kid, if you think about playing a sport or when you first started school, if you failed, if you striked out in baseball or softball, if you got an F on a test, you were told you need to practice. You need to get better. You can't play this sport. You can't do this thing. You're not good enough for advanced math. You need to go to the basic or you need to study more. Failure was never encouraged. So of course it makes sense that we want to avoid it. Mm -hmm. If it's something that wasn't encouraged by the important people in your life, which it probably wasn't encouraged by teachers just because of the school system and the way grading works, right? It's a multiple choice question. You get it right or wrong. If you get it wrong, then you need more help, right? It's not like we're celebrating you. 
Um, it maybe was encouraged by some people's parents. Like I know um, one of my personal, uh, I'll say mentors, although we've never met, <laughs> but mentor <laughs> via the internet and podcast and reading all her stuff is Sarah Blakely. And she talks a lot about how when she was a kid, her dad would ask her at dinner, how did you fail today and celebrate them? I think those are the conversations that need to be uh, going on in schools, in homes for children. The good news is we can rewire any part of our brain and change any part of our identity, no matter what age we are. So while your childhood is really impressionable because between birth and eight years old, your subconscious mind essentially forms, it's like a sponge and you soak in everything you see. And as an adult, 95% of our waking life is driven by our subconscious, meaning that it's automatic programming, it's habits. So for example, you've probably had an experience where you don't know a password for something. Like if you're at your friend's house and they're like, can we use your Netflix? And you're like, oh yeah. And they're like, what's your password? And you're like, I can't tell you it, but I can type it if you give me the computer, right? Because your fingers know the habit that's coming from your subconscious, but consciously you can't even recall what that password is. Mm -hmm. The good news is we can rewire anything about our brains and any belief that is held by our subconscious mind. So we can create a new association with failure. And instead of this old belief, that's probably stored in your subconscious right now, that failure is bad. We want to avoid failure at all costs. We can create a new belief that failure is serving us. Failure is forward. And some ways to do that you want to give your brain as much evidence as possible because we're very logical and our brains love evidence. So give some examples, people like me, my story, any stories you read of successful people where failure has actually really served them, write those down, make a mental note of them in your own life. Was there a time that you didn't get something you wanted, but instead you were redirected towards something better? So I actually wanted to go to college for fashion design management. I wanted to do like the business side of fashion and I applied to Cornell early decision and I was rejected and I was absolutely devastated. And at this point I decided that I wasn't going to go to school for fashion because I really wanted to go to a highly academic school, but I also wanted to study fashion and they didn't quite go hand in hand. There were these top fashion schools, but I didn't have that interest. And so Cornell was my only in my head choice. And when mm -hmm. I didn't get accepted, I was devastated. And I said, I was just going to study business. Well, it was really a wonderful thing because if I didn't go to Georgetown, I probably would have never started my business. I definitely would have never become an author because through one of my classes is actually how I wrote my first book. I never would have met some of my best friends, right? I was divinely meant to go to college there. And that was a beautiful redirection, but it was a failure. And so now I have mm -hmm. an evidence example for my life. You probably have this too. A lot of people have them with relationships that didn't work out. And now if you're in a happy relationship, it's like, thank God that other one didn't work out, right? This is so much better. Friendship, same thing. So give your own evidence to your brain of examples of times in your life where failure really did serve you. Usually mm -hmm. it can fall into the category of either a lesson or a redirection. So something really valuable that you learned or something that redirected your path. And start encouraging yourself to fail. Maybe it is in the morning, you write an affirmation like failure is always getting me closer to everything I want. Mm -hmm. It's safe to fail. That's another good one. A lot of our uh, needs are grounded in safety. So I always love affirmations. It's safe to whatever it is that you're trying to work on. 
You could also have a reflective practice once a week, even Sunday night, maybe you write down, how did I fail this week? And if you don't come up with anything, you might want to start pushing yourself out of your comfort zone more. It could be in a simple way. It could be through a workout class. You really challenge yourself and you couldn't like I do soul cycle. So, um, <laughs> I always use examples of like going to spin class, but you, you put the resistance up and you couldn't hold the beat anymore. And you're pushing so hard. You actually failed like, because you had to turn it back down. That's awesome. That's awesome that you tested your limits and saw how much you could push yourself physically. You could do that in any way. You were doing push-ups in your dorm room and like you physically couldn't do one more, right? And it doesn't have to be exercise, but I always love using exercise as an example because <laughs> it's not so scary. You don't have to change your whole career, right? You can just do something literally today that pushes you out of your comfort zone where you fail and you prove to yourself that was serving me. Give your brain evidence, start doing it. The more you do something, the more you will reprogram your brain because your brain's language is repetition. So that's how habits form, right? So just keep reinforcing that new belief each week. How did I fail? And know that it's going to serve you to reprogram this belief if you're not sold on it fully. Here's why. When we set a goal and we have a desire of something we really, des- really want to create in our life, the way I see it, God, universe, whatever you believe, steps in and says, okay, Jacqueline wants to have a million dollar business. And and it's like an assessment. Jacqueline's here, right? She currently has a six-figure business. She runs a seven-figure business. Okay, Jacqueline needs three employees doing these things. Jacqueline needs to learn to be more confident in these areas. Jacqueline needs to raise her prices. Jacqueline needs, right? And this giant master list comes. Okay, here you go, Jacqueline. Here are all the things you need. And then it's like, okay, how do we get these messages to her? So there's lots of ways you might come up with inspired ideas, right? I might see something on a billboard. I ignore it. I don't remember seeing that thing that says, you need to raise your prices. That's not for me. What is that billboard about, right? You keep seeing all these things. And then the universe is like, what the heck? You know, I'm giving you all these signs. You're not following them. Literal signs. (laughs) Literal. So it's like, okay, let's, let's try to, let's try to teach her in a different way. So all of a sudden, like I do a launch of some program, it totally flops. And I'm like, oh no, like I need to make more money. I'm not going to be able to meet my basic bills and my business, personal life. Hey, I might need to raise my prices. It's like, yes, she's on the track. (laughs) She's doing it. It's like, yeah, I had to step back. I had a lower month in my business because I had this failure and the failure was the exact thing I needed to get me closer to my goal. Right. And this happens over and over and over again. Or like I said, you might be on the wrong path and it's like, no, no, no. We're trying to literally steer the car for you because you think, you know, what's best, but really the divine plan is so much more beautiful and magical than you could have ever imagined for yourself. So if you're still like, I don't know about the failure thing, trust it, trust it. I promise from someone who goes for big dreams and goals for someone who's divine path that I've been on is so much greater than a vision I could have ever had for myself. Fail forward, trust it, lean into that faith. It's always working out even better than you could possibly imagine. You are loved, you are supported, you are guided and failing is a huge part of that process. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know it's so cliche, but, um, there's quotes that you'll hear all the time about like, change happens outside your comfort zone or you cannot succeed without failing first. And I mean, yes, that is so true. I think because no one's going to get everything right. Um, a hundred percent of the time. So 
it takes sometimes that failure, whether it's small or big, I think really to make a difference and really grow as an individual. So I love that you shared personal, um, personal stories from your own life. And I know those of you listening probably can think of an example or two in your own life of where you've failed and how it really has pushed you forward to something else greater for you. So I hope if you don't get anything else out of today's episode, just knowing like failure is not a bad thing. We don't have to necessarily look at it as icky or like negative, but sometimes it takes that failure to just get you to that next level. So thank you for sharing your personal stories. Thanks for asking about it. I think this is such an important topic and it's not talked about enough. Yeah, for sure. And I think especially as young adults, um, you know, people just always ask you, oh, what's your next step in life? And it's like, (laughs) it's a lot. And I think people mean well and like, yeah, I just think it's something we should talk about, not just as young adults, but just from a societal perspective perspective, but I do think it's a little bit more, um, there's a little bit more pressure on our shoulders as young adults to just kind of get it right on the first time. And whether that's pressure from outside sources or internally. Um, and of course we know people are posting their highlight reels on social media and we don't know like how many times it actually took them to get what they're posting on social media. So I think that plays a lot into it too. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's a really good point that you bring up of other people always asking like young adults, like, what are you doing and what's next in your career? And part of the issue with this is like, they bring their own limiting beliefs and scarcity and fears to the conversation. So if you were to say, you know, I'm taking some time off to figure it out, or I'm doing whatever, and it's something not traditional or that they deem is serving you they're going to try to protect you and put their influence on you. And if they think failure is bad, then that's what they're going to share with you. And so it's really important to protect your uh, heart. And if you're like unsure of something, do your own work first, because if you're going to share it with people who have smaller idea and smaller mind than you, and it's, it's not, anything bad or wrong about them, maybe your parents or aunts or uncles who love you so much, but they, they are raised with beliefs about what's possible. And they think that it applies to you, but they don't know that there's limitless possibility and that they don't be so held back by all this fear and scarcity. And so it's just a reminder to really guard those precious dreams. If you're not fully confident in them yet, Mm -hmm. I think as you build confidence, it's really helpful to actually share them because people want to help. And I have found that the more I tell people, Hey, I want my books to be in airport bookstores. Hey, I want this. All of a sudden someone knows someone and they're like, Oh, my brother-in-law's cousin actually owns an airport bookstore in Atlanta. Maybe I can connect you with them. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, so many things. That's just a silly example that hasn't actually happened. But if you're listening and your cousin's brother-in-law owns an airport bookstore, <laughs> give me a call. Just kidding. But really, when you start to share, it creates a lot of magic, but I don't recommend sharing until you feel really confident in the things you're going for, because it's really easy for other people's fears to get taken to heart. And then you held yourself back and it's not necessary. Yeah, for sure. It's almost like, um, if you're not fully confident in it yet, people can kind of sway you to maybe, um, like not go for it. So I think once you're confident enough to go for it, no matter what other people think, I think that's a great time to start sharing that, but you do have to feel confident or else I think other people's influence can kind of um, shake you from 
doing the things you want to seek. So that's a good way to put it. I love that you summarize it like that. So perfect. (laughs) So can you tell us a little bit about your book? Yeah. So I've written two books, actually. Um, My first book I wrote when I was in college, like I said, um, one of my professors, actually, he came to class one day and he was like, we're writing books. And I was like, what? And um, have you ever heard of human design? I've heard of it. I kind of know what it is, but you have a good definition just in case for people that don't know what it is, please share with us. (laughs) I probably don't have a good definition because I'm not an expert at all, but I will do my best to explain it. So it's a um, system of understanding yourself similar to um, the Enneagram or Myers-Briggs, but also combines astrology. Uh, It looks at a lot of like ancient um, practices. I think there's like four different systems. I'm not an expert, so I'd recommend Googling it, but I do know that you can put in your birth date and where you were born and just basic information. And it will tell you, uh, on these websites, I think one's called like Jovian archive. Um, that's the one I used. I think it will tell you what your type is. And there's four different types. My type is called a generator, which is majority of the population, which I was actually kind of disappointed about when I first found out because (laughs) everyone is that not really, but it's, it's majority of people and it's considered the worker bee. It's the Mm. person who is like, I can, do a task and stick to it and work a lot of hours. And I kind of secretly wanted to be one of the other types that's a bit more (laughs) elusive. Um, but what's really cool about generators is their strategy, which is essentially like the way that they view the world is to respond, which basically means that something will be presented in front of you and then you will have a response like, Ooh, this lights me up. I desire that. Or, Ooh, just like I had in my internship, just like trying all the flavors of ice cream. It all makes so much sense to me when I think about being lit up as one of my values. That is literally how I live my life being a generator. So anyways, I bring this up because I didn't know this back then. I didn't even know what human design was, but as soon as he said, we're going to write books, I thought I'm meant to be an author, but I had never thought once in my life prior to that moment, about writing a book or being an author, which I think is so interesting. It just shows that there's so much magic that can unfold in your life. And even if you're not a generator, the way we're designed as human beings is to experience life, create desires and preferences. And then we have the ability to bring those things into fruition, right? Mm-hmm. We're, we put, we're put on this earth to experience. If we didn't experience, we would never have desires, right? We weren't born with like, you like chocolate ice cream, you like vanilla. At least I don't believe that. I believe that you get <laughs> to taste the chocolate ice cream and then your soul says, I like this or I don't, right? So I became an author then, uh, wrote my first book. I wrote it about uh, my eating disorder, which was binge eating disorder and my struggles with that in college. And I interviewed a lot of dietitians and food researchers and psychologists to just understand the challenges with binge eating and also the college environment specifically. Mm -hmm. And um, even just our generation, how we were raised. Like one of the things I talk about is like, I call it the finish your plate mentality. And when we were kids and they told us you have to finish everything on your plate and how that's impacted us as adults. Um, So it was a really fulfilling book to write because I got to share my struggles and help others who maybe had similar struggles and even better understand where they came from. So that was my first book. I will say with all things first, uh, it's definitely not perfect. And uh, (laughs) when I look back, I'm really proud of my second book and I'm really even more excited for my third book because I really do feel it's just an evolution of becoming a better writer every time. 
so that's called the cost method. And then my second book I wrote, uh, two, three years later, um, after I'd had my, the very end of my first six figure year in my business. So I had finally figured things out, got it working and created a successful company. I thought, wow, I need to talk about this. So, uh, it's called stop getting in your own way. And I wrote about the 10 habits and limiting beliefs that I let go of that, helped me step into this person. So while I wrote it for female entrepreneurs, my mom says that it's really for anyone who wants to overcome bad (laughs) habits and limiting beliefs because she is one of the non-entrepreneurs who has read my book. Uh, And I'm I'm just brainstorming ideas for my third book. So I'm not going to share yet because I'm still really early. So I'm still in that phase where I'm not so certain in it. I'm not ready to share yet, but I'm close and I'm excited about it. I love being an author. I love writing. I just think it's so fun. And, um, such a blessing that I came across that. So I encourage you to stay open, whether it's book writing or something else for you to those ooh feelings and desires that come up that you maybe never thought about before, because you never know what's in store for you. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Um, as we wrap up, do you have anything that you want to share with listeners just about life in your twenties or purpose or perfection or anything you just want to leave listeners with? So good. I would love to share about purpose since we talked about it really briefly and my perspective on that. So I used to believe that purpose was in career because I think that's what we're taught in society Mm -hmm. and that I should find a career where I feel my purpose is fulfilled. And I felt unfulfilled when I wasn't working because I felt like I wasn't living my purpose. And if my purpose was to be working, I should be working all the time. And I felt very confused as someone who is really community oriented. I'm very close to my family, my friends. It felt counterintuitive to feel like I should be working all the time. And that would be the only way to live my purpose. And I'm Mm -hmm. sure many can relate. So I had to figure this thing out for myself and figure out my own definition of purpose because it just wasn't working for me. Mm -hmm. And I like to take our body's feelings as a system to communicate the truth with us. So because I felt, ugh, unaligned and that physical yuck feeling in my body, I knew that that couldn't be true. I knew that purpose couldn't just be in career because your body doesn't lie. It's Mm -hmm. like a system to judge whether or not something is truth or not. And we all know that that's true. We've had experiences where our intuition tells us don't do that thing. You do it anyway. And then you're like, (laughs) I should have trusted it. I just had this, this weekend. Uh, My husband and I were stranded overnight at the Atlanta airport on a connecting flight. And once the flight got delayed once, I'm like, we should rent a car because we were, we were headed to um, Chattanooga, Tennessee for a wedding. So it's only about a two hour drive from Atlanta. And we're like, I'm like, we should rent a car and drive. The flight's going to get delayed again. Mm-hmm. He's like, no, no. My intuition is like, rent the car. What do you know? It goes from 11 PM to 2 AM, to 6 AM. Like I told you we should have rented the car. I should have trusted my intuition. Uh, but it's funny because we've all, everyone can relate to that. You've always had an experience or many in your life where you had that gut feeling. So your gut is always guiding you. So my gut was telling me that that was not purpose. That could it be purpose? So I started asking questions, thinking about friends, thinking about people who I felt were living their purpose. And, and did I feel that they were only valuable while they were working? And, uh, one of my good friends came to mind. She's a nurse And I always feel that she's living her purpose. She's like the most kind person, has the most soft-spoken voice and the most empathy. And I could just imagine that if I ever had a surgery or a procedure, I was in the hospital, she would be the best person to be your nurse. And 
I thought, well, she definitely lives her purpose while she's at work. And then I thought she also lives her purpose when she's my friend, when Mm -hmm. I'm talking to her about a challenge in my personal life, or when she's hanging out with her family, when she's babysitting her niece and nephew, when she's uh, at a restaurant having drinks with friends, like she's always living her purpose. It's just who she is. It's her energy. And I thought that's it. Purpose is who you are. And we all have that unique energetic blueprint. So my friend Kelly, hers is filled with empathy and kindness and love. And she's a perfect fit for her career of being a nurse. And she's also a perfect fit for being a friend and a daughter and a wife and all these other things and all these other hats that she wears. She's a perfect fit for being someone who's watching Netflix on the couch and holding Mm -hmm. that energy when she's by herself, that loving energy for herself, right? It's, It's just who she is. And so I realized the same is true about me. I get to live my purpose, which I see as being a light, being a spark for people in my business, in my career, when I'm working with clients, when I'm interviewed on a podcast, but also when I'm with my friends, when they're telling me about a challenge they're having, when I'm with my family, when I'm just relaxing by myself, I'm lighting my own spark, right? We get to, we get to, it's just who we are. And that even applies when you're not feeling great, when you're not feeling in your power, when I had a bad day, when I'm questioning myself, because my power is always inside me and it never goes away. Mm -hmm. It's always who I am. And I'm always living that purpose, regardless of how I'm feeling or my mood, I can shift back into my power and I don't have to shift because it's always there. So that's been really, really serving and supportive for me. So if you're someone who's been placing a lot of external value in your career, I would encourage you to think about what is your purpose? What would you say your unique energetic blueprint is? If you're unsure, something that really helps is talking to loved ones and asking them, how would you describe me in three words? How would you describe my energy and start to listen to the commonalities of what they say? Oftentimes you're going to hear some overlap and you're going to realize, oh yeah, that is it. I am that person. I do have these traits and that is the person that I show up as. So that's something that I think is really helpful for uh, people in their twenties because there's so much pressure on purpose and I don't think it needs to be there. Yeah, I would agree. I think we automatically equate careers to purpose and that's like, yes, we do spend a lot of time working, but that's not the only thing we do as humans. So um, I love that you brought that up and I think it's something we just forget. And I get that generationally, the generations before us, it was pretty much you work to live or is it live to work or work to live? No, live to work. I think is what I'm trying to say. Um, you work to make, to like earn your living basically. So there wasn't a lot of talk about finding a job that was going to spark your passion or, um, that fulfilled your purpose because you were just like, I need something to survive honestly. And now I think luckily we're in a culture where it's acceptable to try to find work that was meaningful for you. And now I think we're, we're even, even shifting now to where work is like, that's just one thing that I do. It's not my own, it's not my sole identity. So over time, of course, as things change, which I'm thankful for, I think just the idea of work, what work means to people is also changing as well. So true, especially with the pandemic, I feel like it just layered it on even deeper for people spending so much time at home and really having time to reflect. It made them think like, what is work to me? What does it mean to me? And why is it important? And I think it's good conversations to debate. And again, like we talked about in the beginning, everyone's different. 
-hmm. For some people, work is their number one priority and their number one value. For other people, work is this really teeny thing and they would love to you know, grow their uh, passive income so they don't even have to work because they're so passionate about X, Y, and Z, right? So you get to find your own unique relationship with it, but it's good work to do and start to ask yourself those questions and reflect on what that might be for you. How can people find you online? Yeah. So if you love listening to podcasts, you can find me on my podcast, which is called spark your light. And you can find me on Instagram. I am Jacqueline double underscore Gallo. Awesome. Well, thank you, Jacqueline, for being the guest today. Um, it's so like, just, it felt like just a natural conversation that we, that we've known each other for a while, but we haven't. I'm so glad that someone, um, when I was looking for guests, someone actually referred you to me. And so I'm glad that that person made that connection so that you were able to be a guest on our podcast today. I am too. Thank you so much for having me. It was so fun.